Matthew chapter 18. Something I'm going to I'm going to try to do. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be this way every week, but um, with our Bible reading schedule, I'm I'm going to try to make sure I stick to the schedule week to week. You know, I'm not I'm not going to I'm going to try not to get way ahead, and I'm going to definitely try not to get way behind. And what I'm hoping to do is. Um, while I'm reading some of these passages, you know, I'm I'm just kind of reading them slow and carefully, and just uh, trying to give the Lord a chance to speak to me about something in there, and then preach on that subject. And hopefully, the goal of that is, you know, whatever I'm, subject I'm going to be preaching on, that people will have read that. Maybe it will be a passage too that people come across and have questions about. I was talking to someone this morning. And uh, you know, I was very encouraged by this. They had a couple questions about the passage that they had just read that week, and that's good. You're you're going to have questions when you're reading the Bible, and then uh, and it's good. That's okay. You're not going to just know it all, and you're going to have to do some studying. Sometimes you might have to you know ask some questions, and uh, it, it's good stuff. In fact, there was I think two different people that they mentioned uh, verses that they had read. This week, the you know ones that maybe the Lord spoke to them about, they just had questions about, and so I thought, you know what? At least for one of the services during the day, the Sunday evening, Sunday morning, or Sunday school, I want to preach at least one each week from the passage that's been read. Hopefully, uh, something that you read, and maybe something that you noticed, and uh, maybe something you didn't. Uh, but anyway, it, you know, it's kind of encouraging to me. I've been there before, where maybe I've been reading something and I've had questions about something. And then, sure enough, I'd show up at church, and that's what would be preached about. And that, that that's always exciting when that happens. You get your question answered. I had uh, somebody one time, they were wanting to talk to me about, they had a question from the Bible, they were wanting to talk to me about it. And after they didn't say what it was about. I had no clue what it was about. And after the service was over, they said, you know what, you don't need to talk to us. You answer the question in your message. And they still didn't tell me what the question was. So, but they, hey, they got their answer. That's the, that's the important thing. And that, that is, that's encouraging and it's exciting because, you know, uh, when that happens to me, I take it very personal. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the Lord spoke to the preacher about what to preach for me. And uh, it does. I, I feel... Uh, I feel very special when that happens. I like when messages seem like they're pointed at me when I know it came from the Lord and not just you know the preacher out to get me. <laughs> and sometimes people do; they feel like the preacher's out to get them, uh, you know, because it does. It's like, man, was he following me around? And it's like, no, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and that's always a great thing. But I want us to read this passage, Matthew chapter eighteen. And verse 15, because this right here we have Jesus giving some instructions that specifically for the church. He mentions the church before it's really even been started. You know, Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. Really, the church, I guess you could say, was just him and his disciples at this point. But he's giving instructions to the church. And so, I mean, really for us, what we have here, it's basically, that's, that's law for us. This is how we are supposed to do things. But have you ever noticed sometimes people, we have a tendency to use the law in a bad way? Sometimes we do that with biblical law. In this, in this particular law, command that Jesus gave us, I've seen people use this in a bad way. 
And a lot of people don't even like this. They don't like this idea. And I really believe that if we continue reading on, we find out really that while it is a law, while it is what Christ commanded, there's a a missing element in there. A lot of times what we're doing is we're just obeying part of the law. And we like to act real spiritual when we're doing it. And I think you'll understand what I'm talking about as we go on this. But let's read verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, and it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven." For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Right here we see a passage where really Jesus shows just the authority, I guess, and the power that He gave to the church. There's other passages. Uh, Paul, for example, he wrote about how whenever you have a matter against each other in the church, that you would be better off taking the least esteemed person in the church and letting them decide what you ought to do rather than going to the law. He basically saying, you know, these there's a lot of things that should be solved with the church. God gave the church that authority and and that power to do the to do these things. And many and you know what? In a church there's going to be plenty of times where there is going to be conflicts between individuals. There's going to be conflicts between brothers and sisters in Christ. Just like there's conflicts between Brothers and sisters on a regular basis. You know, everybody that's had kids, uh, they had conflicts they had to solve. Uh, you know, Brother Monroe, he told me he had, he had seven daughters. Well, I'll bet you there was probably some drama that went on a few times uh, in your household while they were growing up. And I imagine there were some conflicts that took place. You know, I've got six kids and uh, there's conflicts on a regular basis. And, you know, wherever you get people together, there's going to be conflicts, aren't there? And you know, if you're around here long enough, there's going to be somebody that is going to trespass against you. And I tell you, I've seen it before in churches where there will be a conflict between a couple people and boy, it it can get ugly sometimes. And you'll see other people in the church start getting involved and sometimes it can eventually maybe even lead to a church split because of a conflict between two people. And Jesus Christ, He told us how to solve these conflicts in the Scriptures. And so notice, really, the biblical method for approaching something. We're going to basically look at what our law is, the way we are supposed to handle this. And then, I want to show you kind of something that's missing in there that sometimes we tend to maybe just pick the verses we're going to read and maybe we don't read the ones before and after. And sometimes we miss the Spirit of that law. But first of all, whenever 
you have a conflict with somebody because hopefully right now everything's all good, but you might have a conflict with somebody. And whenever that happens, first thing that we see that we're supposed to do says, "More with thy brother shall trespass against thee." Okay, so your brother he did you wrong. Somebody did you wrong. You are in the right. You're the one that's in the right, and we always think we're in the right, don't we? <laughs> but but you are in this situation. You're in the right. He did you wrong. It says. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. One of the biggest mistakes that people make whenever they have a conflict, they don't go to that person. Who do they go to? Everybody else. Do you know what that person did to me? I can't believe they did that. Man, that, aren't, aren't they terrible? Aren't they wicked? You know, and then everybody's like, man, you know what you ought to do? You need, you need to go tell him off. You need to do this. And you get all these people giving you this bad advice and stuff. And then you, and you go and you tell everybody. And you don't tell that person. I mean, really, you know, sometimes people can trespass against you and they don't even know it. They don't realize they did anything wrong. Have you ever been there before? I, I've, I've done, there's been times I've made people mad and I didn't know it. I found out maybe from somebody else. And if I don't know that I've trespassed against you, how am I supposed to do anything about it? Well, you ought to know. You should have known. Well, yeah, maybe I should have. But maybe I don't. And maybe, yeah, they should know, but maybe they don't. And the worst thing you're supposed to, that you can do is go tell everybody else about it. And that's usually the first thing that people do. And the Bible says, go between you and him. Oh, you don't know this person. If I go to them, I mean, they're just going to get mad. They're going to get all ugly. And you, I, I just don't want to do that. Well, if you're not willing to do that, then just don't tell anybody. Just keep it to yourself. The Bible says, go between the two of you. Talk about it. Don't go tell everybody else. And if, if I do wrong, for example, if I do you wrong, and you go and tell your neighbor about it, or you go and you tell somebody else in the church about it, what are they supposed to do? I mean, really, what are they supposed to do? Is it just good therapy for you to get it off your chest and to be able to just you know, verbally you know, go after whoever? Well, and that's not doing anything good. I mean, but many times we do. We go telling everybody all about all these problems that can't do anything about it. Okay, if I've done you wrong, if I ripped you off of some money, and you're going to tell everybody else, they can't. They're not. They can't make me pay you back. They're not the ones that transgressed against you. If I've done you wrong, I'm the one that you're supposed to come to. And if you finally come to me. We might, we just might be able to work things out. Bible says here it says, "If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother." Jesus did not say, "Hey, this works every time. You just go keep it between yourself, and if you do, and you go and you reason with them, he'll listen." He says, "No." He says, "If, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother." Now, many times what happens, people will do that. They will go, they'll tell everybody else about it, and then they'll finally go talk to that person. And have you ever really been mad at somebody? I mean, you were mad. I mean, you're just foaming at the mouth, and then you finally did. You finally went and talked to them, and then you realize they didn't know what they've done. You, you found out maybe some of the circumstances and things involved. And after you talked to them, you weren't mad at them anymore. After you talked to them, Everything was fine. They apologized. Oh man, I didn't realize I did that. Man, I'm I'm sorry. 
And you know, whenever people are like that, they're truly sorry. It's hard to stay mad at those people, isn't it? It really is. It's hard. But if you've went and told everybody else, now, between the two of you, you're fine. But now everybody else thinks I'm a terrible person. Everybody else is still mad at me. They weren't there when I apologized. They weren't there when I, you know, poured my heart out or started crying or whatever that made you just completely forget whatever I've done. They weren't there for that. And you know what? Usually people aren't going to go back and tell everybody they told. And even if you did go back and tell everybody they told, well, they've probably told some other people too. And you know, you just destroyed somebody's reputation maybe for something they didn't realize they had done. Why? Because you didn't keep it between the two of you. And that's what the Bible says here to do in this verse. And most of the time when there's conflicts between people in the church, and especially one that gets ugly where other people are involved, if you go and you talk to them, they never discussed it with them. Oh, well, they know, they know what they did. They know I'm mad. Yeah, they know because somebody else told them about it. And think about it. I mean, put yourself in that situation. If you've done somebody wrong, okay? Maybe you did something, and maybe you even know you did it, okay? But when you... If somebody else in the church comes to you and says, Hey, I heard about what you did to so-and-so. What is that going to do to you? that automatically pride is going to set in. Because you know what? They've been talking about me. They've been saying stuff about me. And I'm telling you, you are so, people are so much less likely to apologize to get things right when they find out secondhand what they did from somebody else. Because people, who likes when you find out people have been talking about you? I mean, who likes that? Nobody likes that. That makes you feel terrible. And it, I mean... If whenever somebody does you wrong, you going and telling everybody else is a sure way to make sure that there's just going to be more problems and things are never going to get resolved. And we're talking about resolving conflicts here. But uh, also, if you want to be able to do this right where it works between just going to that person, you have to have a reputation of somebody that doesn't gossip. Because think about it. You know, if, if me and Brother Menez, if I've been... If I'm always telling him, man, you, I can't believe so-and-so in the church. You know what they did to me? Man, they did this. And I'm gossiping to him all the time about what people do to me in the church. And then he does something to me. And I go, and I go to him and say, hey, you know, the Bible says I need to confront you about this. And Brother Menez, you, you wronged me in this situation. You know what automatically is going to come up in his head? I wonder who else he's told about this. Because he's always talking about... What I, I want, who's he been talking to? About to me, or to, uh, who's even uh, talking about me to? That's going to be going through his mind, and he's going to be less likely to get things right if I have a reputation of somebody that, that's gossip. If they've heard you talk about others that have done you wrong, they're just going to assume that you've done it to them too, and that just makes it more difficult for people to get things right. So this keeping your problems between individuals—that is. That is huge. But here we see in the next verse, in verse 16, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now this is, right here is where sometimes people can misuse Scripture really to hurt somebody. Now now think about this, okay? Just, Just think about this. Huge picture... How would you feel if, you know, 
I showed up at your house and I had a couple other men from the church to confront you about something that you had done wrong. Okay, I mean, can you imagine just having a group of three people showing up to just tell you you're scum or something? <laughs> I mean, that's that's not going to set real well, is it? That's going to be very that's going to be very difficult. And sometimes people they'll kind of skip the first one and they'll just jump to this one because they know that's going to freak them out. Okay, maybe we got a situation. You know, maybe maybe you know you owe me fifty dollars and. You know what? I'm going to do the biblical approach. And if I go and I bring other people in, well, it's going to embarrass you to death. And it, that, that is embarrassing when that happens. And sometimes this is where people can take this Scripture and really use it in a bad way. And if you're going to use this in the right way, make sure that you involve the people that you involve. Okay, Make sure first that you have done your due diligence on that first part. You've done your due diligence and you've, you've kept it between them and say, listen, we need to get this right. We've got to solve this. And I, I believe before you ever do this, don't ever go surprising somebody and have a posse of people knocking on their door. Don't do that. You tell them, say, listen, this, is, this has got to be solved. I think we need to bring in some people on this to help make the decision. I think you ought to warn the person about that first. Let them know. And then all, usually though, what people will do, they will take two people with them that they know are going to side with them. They'll take two people with them, maybe that are their buddies or whatever, that they've already given an earful to. And I believe if you're going to do this, you need to involve people of authority and people of, of good reputation. Don't go getting your best friend. Don't go getting your relative. Don't form a posse to show up on the door. In fact, I believe too, if you're going to go and involve other people like this, I think it would be best if you didn't tell them why you were going there. That before you go and you give them an earful, that you tell them in front of that other individual. Say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get two people. Let him pick the two people. Or you know, let it, you know, say, hey, let's get let's get two people we can trust, two people from the church that you know th- these people have good reputations. These are people that you know they're going to be unbiased. Let's let, let's get their opinion on this and bring them in and let them and we'll let them decide for us. I'll respect their decision, and you need to respect their decision. This is. The way to handle it, and you make sure you you know you get two people that don't have a reputation for being a gossip, because then that other person gonna think oh, they're just gonna go tell everybody else. This is just more people that know about this, and he's probably never gonna come back to the church again, ever again. He's probably gonna get very bitter. But you do you involve people, authority, people of good reputation. So you're not this isn't this isn't a posse that you're forming just to go and scare that person into doing whatever you want them to do. But this is what God said to do. You go get. One or two witnesses. And it says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Why are you doing this? Because a lot of times when there's conflicts going on, there's a whole lot of this. He said, she said, this back and forth. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. And sometimes it's good to have people that you're accountable to. People that can be a witness and say, hey, you know, we were there. We heard the conversation. We heard that was said. People that will be accountable. That's what Jesus. That that's the plan 
that Jesus said to do. And then he says in verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, because you know what, that might happen. You might, there might be somebody that does you wrong. You go to them, you try to get it right. And I'm telling you right now, they're not going to listen to you. You can try to get two or three people involved. You can let them pick the people there and say, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm not interested in getting this thing right. You're wrong. I didn't do anything. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And right here it says, if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Boy, this is a, this is a tough thing. Nobody likes to do this. No church likes to do this. I think I've known some places that like to do it. and Nobody ought to like doing this. But boy, when you have to bring something before the church, that is a tough thing. That is ugly. Boy, that is the last thing that you want to have to do. I mean, this is where church splits happen when it gets to this many times because it wasn't done right. It wasn't done in the right spirit. And, and some people are anxious. Oh, I want to bring it before the church. I want everybody in the church to know what kind of scumbag they are. I want everybody in the church to know what they did to me. And that is not the spirit we're supposed to have. But yet, there are some things that need to get resolved. We're going to see here that God doesn't want brothers and sisters in Christ. We should not be going to court suing each other. Okay, that should that should not be happening amongst Christian people. There's other passages in the Bible too that back that up. However, though, it says that if they won't do that, if he's not going to listen to the church, then you have to treat them as a heathen or a publican. What's a heathen? A heathen is a lawless. Someone who's lawless. Someone who doesn't follow. You know what? There are times when you may need to take somebody to court. There are times when people, they will not do the right thing. And you do. You have to take them to court. But that they're not doing Why aren't they doing the right thing? Why? Because they're not following the law. You know what they're doing? They're being lawless. They're being a heathen. Boy, you know, I said, thankfully, I've never, I've never had to do anything in court and I don't ever want to. But you know, at the same time, there are some people, they will not do the right thing. And therefore, you have to go and get somebody to make them follow the law. But a Christian should never be forced into following the law by outside people. We ought to willingly follow the law just... We do the right thing. I mean, we might, I mean, you know, you go and, you know, you run into somebody's parked car, you're at fault. Okay, you better make that thing right. Okay, you know, hopefully you have insurance. Maybe you don't have insurance. Well, you need to get that right. You need to take care of that. They shouldn't have to take you to court when you broke the law, you did them wrong. You ought to fix that. A lost person shouldn't have to, if, if you're right legally, then, you know, okay, you might have to go to court. But if you've done the wrong thing, nobody should have to make you do these things. I think, I think court ought to always be a last resort for people, but some people are lawless and there may be some people in the church that they will not follow the Scriptures. They will not do the right thing. And the Bible here says to treat him as a heathen or as a publican and therefore, you might have to do the court thing. You might have to. If they don't ever make that first, don't just immediately, I'm going to sue you. No, try to do these other things because whenever you get court and lawyers and things involved, it's all it's always going to be worse. And uh, 
the court system said though it should never be used to solve problems between Christians. The court system is needed for those who are lawless and have to be forced into doing the right thing. Just like Christians, we shouldn't have to be thrown in jail. Okay? We ought to obey the law. But if we're not obeying the law, if we're being lawless, if we're being like the heathen, well then, they might have to throw us in jail then. See, but we hopefully we don't need that. We shouldn't have to have that. And since it's really easy to talk about how things should be, but sometimes things are, you know, we don't always do things the way they should be. And the way things should be done, you ought to be able to go between you and an individual, and you two ought to be able to get things right. That's the biblical way. Also, if that doesn't work, then you need to maybe involve two or three witnesses to get things right. But you know what? That should work, but sometimes it doesn't work. And so then you may have to bring it before the church. Because you know what? You can't have two people in the church that are just fighting with each other, that are bitter at each other. That will kill a church. And I'm telling you right now, while it is not fun to bring something like that before the church, while that is a very painful thing and sometimes does cause church splits and things, I'm telling you right now, if there's fighting and contention between people in the church, that church isn't going anywhere. They're not going to accomplish anything. And as painful as it is, you've got to deal with it. You've got to take care of it. I mean, it's it's got to be done. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't want our church to just sit here and not go anywhere from here on out. We want to be moving forward and boy, I mean, it would break my heart if we ever had to do that. If you had to basically look at a person as a heathen or as a publican and a Christian have to take them to and use the court system, that would be hard. I would hate that. I don't want that to ever happen. But some people will not follow the law. And right here we see the method, the plan that Jesus Christ laid out in the church for solving conflicts between individuals. This is what's legal. This is what's lawful. Now, many times in the Bible, we see things that are lawful. There's there's many examples I can give of basically laws that God gave that sometimes they would use, they misuse. For example, uh, we talk, we see... Uh, the question that the Pharisees came to Jesus about a man, you know, divorcing his wife for any cause, and Jesus started, you know, Moses gave you a bill of divorcement. Jesus acknowledged what the law said concerning divorce. Jesus knew what the law said. He gave the law. He knew what it was. But then he tried to remind them of the spirit of the law. He went back to Adam and Eve and how God created male and female and they two became one flesh. He tried to teach them the importance of the spirit of that law. You know, the law said, Thou shalt not kill. But Jesus said, You know, if you kill somebody in your heart, you're murdering your heart. Trying to once again teach them about the spirit of the law. And many times people are anxious to follow the law because maybe it benefits them, but they forget the spirit of the law. And in this passage here, we, we just read was a law. That is the way you handle those situations. But notice the next part of the scripture that we did not read that many times people will leave off. Right after Jesus tells them all this, it says in verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me 
and I forgive him till seven times? Is that what's lawful? Do I, I have to forgive him seven times? Remember, if a brother, if a brother trespass against me, just like it says in verse 15, more of thy brother trespass against thee. Okay? Peter's saying, how many times do I have to forgive him of this? And then this is a very well-known verse. Verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And then he goes and he gives a parable that we know of the man who had owed a great debt. I mean, he owed a huge debt that he could not pay. And you know the story. He went and he begged for mercy. And that, that, uh, that leader, that ruler, he forgave him his debt. He wiped it all clean. He didn't throw him in prison. He could have thrown him in prison. Legally, he could have got this man put away. Because that man owed him the money. That man did him wrong. He should have paid that money back. And then we see in the story how that man went and went to somebody who just owed him a few pence. And he started to choke him and said, pay me that thou owest. And that man, he owed him. And then we see that man went and legally he did the law. He had him thrown into prison, didn't he? He had him taken, uh, taken to prison. He did what the law said to do. But when that ruler found out about how he didn't forgive that man that small debt, how he went and had him cast into prison. And you know what I think the Lord's trying to tell us here? He's shown us legally this is how we're supposed to handle things when you have conflicts between people. But then he goes on and teaches us this parable of forgiving. And forgiving over and over again. And I think sometimes we get real anxious to follow the law because we know it benefits us instead of following the spirit of the law and just forgiving. Just forgiving. And you know what? If somebody does you wrong, you may have biblical reason to go confront them. You may have biblical reason to get a couple people in the church to go confront them. We may have biblical reason to bring them for the church. And we would not be breaking any law of God. But I wonder if Jesus, He threw this story in there afterwards. He threw this parable in there afterwards because what we really ought to be shooting for is not necessarily getting everything just, but in just forgiving. He's reminding us, you know, before you go after that person and you follow all these steps to getting what you want for them, maybe what you should do is remember that great sin debt that you owed me. And maybe you ought to forgive them of that small debt. I'm not saying here that churches, because of this, should not ever deal with anybody throw anybody out of the church. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Yeah, we got the rules here. Legally, biblically speaking, we can. However, I think sometimes what the Lord really wants is just us to forgive. And just let God deal with them. Let God convict them. You know, just get over it. You know, we if, if somebody owes you some money, yeah, they ought to pay it. Yeah, legally, we have a prescription here for what we can do. But you know what? It is. It's going to cause problems. It's going to cause heartache. And you know what? Maybe the Lord just wants you to forgive them. And really, I think that's what this passage... I think many times people do. They use that passage and they stop reading. And once again, we're 
use it, what we're doing is we're using the law to our benefit. And for us as Christians, we understand that hey, we, we know what the law is. That Old Testament law, with the exception of the ceremonial stuff, it still applies. God still expects us to follow those laws. But who in here has kept all of the law of God? None of us have. We've all transgressed. We all deserve to spend eternity in hell because of it. And we were forgiven that debt. And you know what? Before we go throwing the law in people's face, before we go you know, making people do everything because the law benefits us, maybe we ought to just do what Jesus did and forgive them. And say, so, you know, I know I could get that person back right now. Legal, they do. They owe me. They did me wrong. But you know, boy, I remember what Jesus did for me. I remember how He forgave me. You know, I'm not going to do that. I think I'm just going to forgive them like Jesus forgave me. And I really believe, based on, on this passage of Scripture here, that I, I, I don't think, I think most of the time, this is what the Lord's wanting. There, listen, there's going to be people. They're just going to cause problems. They're going to, I mean, there are. There's going to be those that they're just evil from the get go. They're probably not even really saved. And uh, you know, so there, there are times when it's needed where you have no choice. Then maybe just to tell somebody, I, I'm sorry, but you know, you you're going to have to go. But really, I think most of the time we're just supposed to be forgiving. And so, well, how many times do we have to forgive? Well, legally, I guess you could say seven times, but Jesus said no. How about seven times 70? 490 times. So does that mean, okay, 490? And that we can quit forgiving? So we need to start keeping track. <laughs> hey, I can tell you right now, you know, I know what that means. He's basically saying, no, it's not 490. It's just over and over and over again. Because I can promise you, you know, my wife, she's probably had to forgive me more than 490 times already. <laughs> you know, women, they've got good memories. She could probably write down 490 things they did. Okay, I don't have to forgive you anymore. Legally now, I can divorce you because 490 times, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out the door. And I could probably do the same thing to her, except I, you know, I forget more. Or maybe I'm just more forgiving. <laughs> but, but no, we, once again, it's that spirit, that spirit of the law is what we're looking for. And what this whole passage is be teaching us is just forgive. I would encourage you not to take this passage and say, good, now I know what to do to this person that's done me wrong. I'm going to go show up at his house tomorrow. Well, legally, biblically speaking, that's okay. But how about, how about just try forgiving him? Why don't you go show up at his house and say, hey, you know that 20 bucks you owe me? Don't worry about it. Just keep it. Yeah, he owes it to you. But forget it. Forgive the debt. Remember the debt that you've been forgiven. So that, let's all stand together.